This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, everybody. My name is Chris. And I'm mostly Jason. Mostly Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 280, recorded Monday, September the 12th, 2016. September the 12th. It sure is. Jason, you're back. I am back. Or at least most of you is. Uh, mostly. Well, it's mostly me that is back. <laughs> I'm not mostly back. Uh, I, it's mostly me that that's here. So what's the part that's missing? Uh, long-term memory. Okay. Uh, is, is missing. And ability <laughs> to form words good. Well, that's probably, <laughs> those are probably the, the two things you need for this yeah. show, for this It's podcast. the lack of sleep that uh, is making me not talk awesomely good. Well, I'm, I hope it's not that bad. And I hope now that you're three weeks, three weeks or four weeks in? Three, three weeks. weeks today. Three weeks in to the addition to your family. Uh, I hope things are, are going well. And it sounds like they are, but, uh, but I hope you're not too sleep deprived and everybody's growing and doing, doing fine. Yeah, we're all growing and doing fine. Uh, lots of crying, yeah, uh, you know that kind of stuff, and uh, eating, lots of eating. <laughs> and I bet the baby does those things too. Baby is participating in the eating and the crying. Yes, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that is good. Well, I, I, it's good you're back. I'm glad to have you back. It was fun podcasting with my wife for a few weeks there. Yeah, she really enjoyed it, oh, and good. and the listeners seem to really enjoy it. But I think they're all going to be excited that you're back as well. You're not going to kick me off the podcast, are you? No, no. But you know what this means. Uh, I really don't. Well, I'm not kicking you off by any stretch. This is this is your job to lose, <laughs> right? Good uh, or quit. You know that's fine. But I <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. But it means that everyone's been writing and asking you know me and Christina to do a different podcast, the two of us. Oh, cool. That's a good idea. It it, it may happen. I don't know. We're we're knocking some ideas around and trying things out and you never know what might come of it. But So uh, are you going to be talking about raising chickens and farming and stuff? Well, since that's what we do in our day-to-day life, probably, yeah. yeah. yeah I right. wish you could raise chickens in Toronto. It's illegal to have chickens in the city of Toronto, but I think it would be great. Yet I know a guy that did it not no. too long ago. Yeah, that's cool. No fresh <laughs> farm, fresh eggs. He raised the chicken, ate the eggs for a year, and then ate the chicken. Well, yeah, you got to eat the chicken. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. So <laughs> I guess that's what you got to do. Well, who knows? I don't know what we're going to do, but bottom line is it's exciting to have you back. And uh, let's not take too long here because I fully anticipate at some moment you might be summoned upstairs yeah. because something's happening. Well, you guys got to do a TV or a movie podcast because Christine is really good at TV. She's pretty good at TV. She's pretty good at movies. She's really good at recognizing people from like an obscure <laughs> 1980s commercial there you go that no one remembers so that'll do it right there the whole podcast just <laughs> recognizing young celebrities in commercials it's from just the 80s yeah it's just her going hey that i know that guy that guy was in a commercials for wheaties in 1982 that there you ran go. for six weeks on cbs perfect <laughs> i don't know that's that would be it yeah. uh anyhow yeah let's not uh let's not dilly dally because everyone knows how unpredictable life with a newborn can be. So uh, let's, yes. let's let's keep you here as long as we can. All right. Cool. Before, before we get into everything that's, you know, we got to talk about this week, which is the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, since you haven't been here for a few weeks, mm-hmm. you're all caught up, right? 
on the show, yes. I have not listened to the podcast with uh, you and Christina, unfortunately. So I don't know anything about what you said or anything that's going on there. But I have today, just today, caught up on all the episodes. Okay, well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I Just what you think in general of how the second half of season two is is going. Like, we don't have to go on long about this, but, you know, just we've had four episodes now. Well, Four, including this week's. So yep. the first one, number eight, was the Nick episode, him traveling to Tijuana. It was all yep. Nick all the time. The one after that was sort of 50% Nick, 50% um, uh, Strand and uh, Madison and that crew. Yep. yep. And then we had the Chris and Travis show with a little bit of Alicia in there. Well, yes. a lot of Alicia in there. So what are your feelings just so people can get kind of up to speed with how you're feeling about the second half of the season so far. So this is uh, one thing. I just want to step back one second on this, just sure. to, on my opinions. I, I wanted to say this is the first time I've ever binge-watched The Walking Dead. I've never had that opportunity before because I've always, you know, ever since we started this podcast seven years ago. My God. Uh, that, uh, like we, uh, you just texted me the other day that this, we reached our seven year anniversary for this show. That's right. Actually, September the 9th is the podcast anniversary and nice. podcast birthday, I should say. And we just hit seven years, right? 2009 to 2016. That, uh, the math checks out. All right. Well, so this is the exciting. first time, time I've ever had, uh, an opportunity to binge watch. Like I've been watching episode by episode, if not second by second, ever since the show started. So it was interesting to actually, you know, sit down and watch a number of episodes, uh, in a row. So I thought, uh, that was, a. am uh, glad I did that. I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that. Kind of a mini binge. Cause it was, mini it was binge. only four, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'll just stop watching until the end of the whole series run and then come back and uh, give my opinion at the, at the end. <laughs> Great. That'll make doing a <laughs> weekly podcast not difficult at all. No, not difficult at all. So right. uh, they're asked, the, how do, what did I think about the uh, the four episodes or the three episodes uh, leading up to this? There are parts that I really liked and there were parts that I just find it kind of found boring. So uh, the parts that I really liked, I really liked the, uh, the stuff in the hotel. Mm-hmm. I really liked, uh, you know, we haven't really explored on The Walking Dead or in zombie in zombie genre in general. We've explored malls. We've explored uh, industrial areas. We've explored the woods. We've explored farms till, you know, we're blue in the face. We've never actually explored a resort hotel on the ocean. So that's something new. That's something new. And right. I thought that was, uh, that was interesting because um, it reminded me of The Shining which took place in the fictional Overlook Hotel. Mm -hmm. I believe it's fictional. Uh, but, you know, that hotel is big and empty, and this one was big and uh, relatively empty. Uh, and you'd think that a hotel would have lots of uh, foodstuffs and toilet paper. All the essentials, which, yeah. Which is very essential for living in the zombie apocalypse because you can use toilet paper for a number of things. Uh, in addition to its intended purpose. <laughs> and did you know that it, was, it wasn't until like 1913 that they were able to advertise that toilet paper was splinter-free? Oh. <laughs> Stop <laughs> using tree bark, everyone, <laughs> and use this nice, soft, silky toilet, toilet paper. Toilet paper, now yeah. splinter-free. Oh it's like, well, God. that... You know, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'll pay double. <laughs> I, I will pay double for splinter-free toilet paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I like the stuff in the hotel. I like the... Uh, the, the the pier stuff, mm -hmm. marching, uh, marching all the zombies off the pier, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, I, I really liked, um, 
I really like Nick walking through the desert. Yep. And uh, having to, you know, <laughs> fend off a couple of dogs. Right. Uh, we haven't really had that before where you actually got bit by a dog. I've been bit by a dog and it's not pleasant. No, not pleasant at all. And, uh, but I've never, uh, uh, you know, hid on the roof of a car while dogs were uh, trying to attack me, uh, a la Cujo, which I believe they're remaking. Uh huh. Um, I kind of like that. I did not like, uh, Nick. I don't really like the, uh, the Tijuana stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm not really sold on that. It, you know, kids playing soccer and having to deal with bullies that have something you need in order to do something you, uh, something that they want. Um, so I'm not really sold on the whole Tijuana thing, but I did like the hotel and I did like Nick getting to the hotel. Mm Mm-hmm. And the whole Travis, uh, you know, the Cliff Curtis thing, uh, we didn't really get a whole lot of that. But, you know, they again, they showed up on a farm and we had lots of farm stuff. And, uh, you know, once they said, we should check out the barn. I'm like, oh, come on, not again. Like no <laughs> zombies around, but they're going to go check out the barn. And lo and behold, you know, speaking of raising chickens, yeah, uh, the chicken, the, the barn was full of chickens, which is always nice because then you get eggs and uh, you get to wring the neck of your favorite animal to eat. And then get shot in the leg if you're going to do that with a gun pointed at you. Yeah, yeah, you know, it can happen. You know, these, these are the dangers of raising chickens. Yes, absolutely. Well, I just listening to you talk right now, I have decided that you could never miss another podcast again because there's so many things I want to go back and talk to you about now, even though I've already done a podcast about each of these episodes and talked about a lot of these different things and, right. you know, gone through the, the stuff I liked and the stuff I didn't and so on. Um, and as I, as I've already said, it was great, but it's it it almost feels like we need to go back and do it all over again now. But we're not we're not <laughs> going to do my, that. Is, does my opinion like I haven't uh, I've been able to actually because of Jasper, I've been uh, mostly in a bubble. I haven't been paying attention to yep. anything. Like yep. for example, the other day I forgot it was Thursday and didn't realize it was morning, so I missed garbage day. Well, that happens. You've been off work for a while. You lose track of the days, you know, busy thinking about feeding your baby. That's what happens. The outside world is almost a non-existent place. So I haven't really looked on the internet. I haven't watched TV uh, other than this, you know, specific effort that I put in for this. Um, So I don't know what the prevailing opinions are. Sure. Uh, or even what your opinion is or Christina's opinion is of this show. Does mine jive up with that or am I like way off? No, no, you're not, you're not way off. It's just, I, I'm thinking back to the things I've been saying and, and, and the way I've been feeling about the show. And, uh, I, sometimes I think it, it lines up and sometimes it doesn't, but it just, it brings the desire up to the surface to, to go through it with you because we've been doing it for 280 episodes over seven years. It's, yeah. It's, it's what we do. So, um, you know, and, and we can maybe do that at some other time, maybe not even record it. (laughs) That'd be crazy. Weird. Yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, just really quick. Um, I thought the Nick episode, the first one was quite good. It was very polarizing episode. A lot of people were like, you know, we take a three month break, come back and it's nothing but Nick walking through the desert. Super boring. Um, uh, I didn't feel that way necessarily. I thought it was pretty fascinating to see the the backstory on Nick a little bit, to see uh, the flashbacks with um, the first zombie, oh, yeah. right? That that yeah. was really good. Um, and so I, I really quite liked that episode, and I thought it did a lot for Nick as a character. Um, the next one uh, I thought was, pr- I think, was probably the weakest of the of the three. Um, but the, the one after that with, 
Chris and Travis and then cutting over to Alicia doing her stuff, I thought actually was very, very good. I really liked that one because the the interaction between Chris and his dad, I thought brought out a lot in both those characters. And it was a very sort of talky section of of the show. But it was interesting conversations between the two of them and between them and the three uh uh bros they met those are the bros by the way the bros the bros yeah nice um and and the way and the way those guys interacted and then where they ended up at the farm and stuff like that i i just felt like those guys even though some people didn't like them i felt like they were the sort of guys who you would encounter early on in the zombie apocalypse they're kind of good at it like they seem to be able to survive but they're also reckless and arrogant and um they have all these traits of like people who don't really understand what's actually happening in the world and the way they influenced Chris and the way Chris kind of latched right onto them. And then the way his character ended up in the end, completely, you know, oceans apart emotionally from his dad, I thought was done really, really well in that episode. And then contrast that with all the Alicia stuff and her like surviving on her own, not quite on her own, but like losing Ophelia and then meeting a new character and surviving and coming up with a plan to get, get out of the, get out of the upper floors of the hotel. And at the, at the end reunite with her mother, which is what she was trying to do. And I think, and I said, when we recorded, I thought that was one of the strongest final couple of shots this show and maybe both walking dead shows have ever done because we have Chris and his father totally torn apart, like emotionally no longer on the same page in any way because Chris just shot that guy in cold blood, the farmer with Alicia and Madison, mother and daughter finding each other after having been physically separated and coming together again. So I thought that episode was just amazing. And, and I don't know if the season will top it in my opinion, but uh, now we've got the fourth one to talk about and still what, four more after this or five more, just 15. What was this? Fifteen. This was number 11. 11. So four more. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyhow, I mean, that's, uh, that sort of brings us back up to date with, with where we are. Um, and uh, we might as well, dive on in. So what we've been doing, I don't know if you remember, it's been off, you've been off for a while and are sleep deprived, but um, we're going to look back at last week briefly. We have a very, since we've already kind of done that, we've got a a brief uh, section here for last week on Fear the Walking Dead. We do talk about the ratings every week, season two, episode 10. You know what? I should do a a quick ratings recap for you. So episode eight had 3.86 million viewers, which was the lowest total for the season at that time episode nine had 3.66 million so it slid a little more making that the lowest (laughs) total at the time (laughs) and season two episode 10 which was last week's episode had 2.99 million so continuing to drop we are dropping i was on the uh, the wikipedia page for uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. And they have a handy little chart mm-hmm. uh, showing the uh, the rating slide of season two. Yeah. So 2.99 million. And, and I, I don't know how many times I can say this, but pretty, pretty good by any measure um, when compared to other TV shows, you know, out there. And 2.99 million still put it in the number one spot for the night it aired. Oh, that's that's good. So I, I can't see... 
I mean, I can see AMC being disappointed that the numbers continue to go down, but it's still a lot of damn people and it's still winning the time slot. So I don't know. There's got to be a balance in there somewhere. Hopefully they can find it. Well, hopefully they can. I'm sure it's still, uh, they're still making enough money to heat all their swimming pools in the winter. Uh, I'm not overly worried. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not too worried. I can't see them canceling this show, uh, but 2.99, first time they've dipped below 3 million. It is. So it's, I don't know, we're, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting to watch this season of, of Fear as it goes on ratings-wise. Uh, okay, so one of the things we talked about last week, Jason, and maybe you can throw your opinion in on this. Do you remember when, uh, in last week's episode, when Alicia was standing at the, uh, in one of the hotel rooms, looking out the peephole, I think it was right at the beginning, and she yes. was scratching, counting the zombies by scratching them into the door? I do. Well, one of the things we talked about is we never really understood her counting method because it wasn't the typical like one, two, three, four, then slash and makes right. five and you can count in fives. She was like carving Texas. one. Yeah. And then carving that, like crossing the one out. And um, we were confused as to why she was doing this. And maybe if this is an alternate like counting method when you're marking down things. Yep. So uh, Jamira or Jamera, Jamira, my apologies for the terrible pronunciation, from Puerto Rico, writes in, regarding the way Alicia was counting up the zombies, I also thought it was weird until I thought that maybe she was counting them one by one and crossing each out when she saw them a second time. Oh. That would give her a good idea on how many zombies there actually were walking in the hallway. And Ashley and Charlotte also wrote in with the same theory, so I'm inclined to think this is what it is, but did you have any other feelings on what she was doing there? No, that, that makes perfect sense. Either counting them one by one or counting them and then uh, confirming. I like that idea that she's confirming the uh, uh, the number. So she, when she sees them a second time, that way she knows for sure that uh, how many zombies are out there. Right. So it's not some sort of alternate visual counting method that you know of. Not that I know of. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think yeah. so either. But uh, I, who knows? I mean, we learn new things all the time. Yeah. from listeners doing this. So, uh, but I think, I think that's a good theory that, uh, these two listeners had just to cross them out as she saw them again. So that yeah. explains that. I agree. All right. Brian and Maryland writes, Chris and Travis are among my least favorite characters on the show. However, I would love for the show to actually do something different here and have Chris become a Negan or governor figure. Chris kills Travis and we actually get to see the rise of one of the so-called evil characters over a few seasons. We have never seen this on the actual show. So Chris is going evil. People pretty much uh, agree on that. And maybe it would be interesting to see him become one of these like evil leader type people that we've seen so many times on the main show. I would absolutely unequivocally love that. Yeah. And Brian goes on in his, his message to sort of speculate on something we've wondered about, uh, you know, before, if we came to Rick's group on the main show, um, if we weren't following them, we were following some other characters and we came upon Rick's group, what would we think of them? Would we think they were these great people like we do now, or would they be like evil, bad people trying to, uh, you know, trying to just survive, but we'd have a completely different, uh, perspective on them yes but it also also depends on who we're following as the protagonists right if right. we're following uh the governor as a protagonist 
maybe they would seem like uh, good people. You know, if we were uh, if we were following uh, the people at Alexandria and Rick and the gang showed up and took over and basically told everybody else that they're no longer in charge and uh, just completely took over the place, then yes, we would see them as evil. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that either. They came in and said, you know what, we uh, we have some skills that you probably need. You have some Alexandria that we need. So <laughs> let's uh, let's do this thing. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's just, it would be interesting to to follow the rise of someone who kind of goes goes the wrong way or, or, you know, goes for the type of leadership that we wouldn't typically think is the most effective or maybe yeah. at least the most fair. It might be effective. <laughs> right. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, so, and then we, we have a call from George in Roseville, Michigan, kind of along the same lines about Chris. Uh, here's what George had to say. Hey, Chris, Jason, Christina. Love the podcast, love the show, keep doing what you guys do. Like another caller said, or email writer, I really do enjoy the show, your guys' show probably more than the actual show itself. I agree with that. But anyway, I got one comment. What do you guys think? I think Chris is kind of like a younger version of Shane. They're pretty much identical. I don't know if he's going anywhere. He might go, but I don't know. That's I think he's kind of like just a split image of Shane, just a younger version. That's what he reminds me of anyway. All right, keep up the good work, and listener for life. Thanks, George. So Chris is Shane because Shane had an alternate viewpoint to pretty much everybody else, and it yep. didn't really work out so well for him. Well, ultimately, no, it did not. You know, but he had uh, he had a different viewpoint and he had a different agenda. His agenda was uh, partner in a coma. Uh, I'm going to marry his wife and take over the parenting of his uh, children. <laughs> Just adopt his son and and uh, bang his you know, wife. Yeah. Well, that's what you do when your partner is in a coma, Chris. If you ever go into a coma, I'm already married with a son now, so that's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're trying to say, but okay. Well, nothing. I'm trying to say nothing at all. Very good. Well, you're doing a good job. Uh, Shane, no, but Shane, you know, he he had a very uh, different outlook on helping people and so on and uh, taking things from people and what it meant to to uh, to do things for his own benefit, right? Like, remember, he was running away with... Um, uh, oh my God, what's his name from, from Herschel's farm? And he shot him in the leg so he could get away. Otis. Otis, right. Look at that. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that Chris would do, I think. I think so. At least at this point. So I think, uh, you know, I think Brian and, and George especially have, have some insight into Chris here. And if Chris survives very much longer, because I have a feeling that he's not going to, uh, but if he does, we could get some similar Shane-like stuff going on here, uh, or at least some interesting development of Chris as kind of a not-so-nice guy, to put it mildly. Well, I agree with you that I don't think Chris is going to survive for very much longer, and I think that it's too bad. Like, great, Mm -hmm. I I think, I agree with the Shane thing, that he does have that different viewpoint, and I think that he does uh, exhibit some Shane-isms. He lacks the the gigantic earlobes, but we'll look past that for now. Yep. Uh, 
I think it's too bad that we won't get to see him rise as a bad guy to like a governor type level because uh, we have what three distinct storylines going on now and we have to have those all come back together. They can't continue to splinter off into three separate stories and spinning off into their own shows. You know, I would I would watch a Chris show that uh, that made him into a bad guy, and we get that whole story. I think uh, that would be an interesting spinoff, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I agree that I think Chris is probably not long for this world. You know, Chris or Travis, like I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to say that it's totally outside the realm of possibility that Travis is the one who doesn't survive of of the two of them. I think it's actually much more likely that Chris will be the one who gets killed. Um, maybe by Travis, because as you, as I was saying earlier, they're completely separated apart. Now I think Travis has sort of started to give up on, on convincing his son of, of the way he wants to, or the way he thinks he should behave and handle the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Um, and if Chris keeps going down this path, I mean, eventually it's going to come to a head where Travis will need to stop him from doing something that he doesn't agree with and, you know, maybe shoot him or kill him some other way. So it's going to be interesting to find out where it goes. Um, the thing that Chris doesn't have that Shane did is life experience as a character, right? Shane right. was an adult. He'd been around the block a few times. He'd, uh, he, you know, he was a police officer. He was skilled with weapons, things like that. Chris has none of this stuff. He is just a kid who's reacting to a rather insane set of circumstances in the zombie apocalypse. So true. Um, he has what I, I was sort of thinking that um, Shane would have been like Chris is now had Shane been 15 years old when all this happened, rather than saying that Chris is sort of acting like Shane was, you know what I mean? It's true. So I don't know. It's interesting, but you're right. I'm pretty sure Chris is, is going to be dead before the end of this season. Uh, but we'll, we got a few more episodes to find out. I think that's too bad. It is too bad. I really do. We th There could be a lot of good story to tell there, I think, just watching him descend into darkness. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to say it like that, descend into darkness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about season two, episode 11. Let's move on to that. It was called Pablo and Jessica. Pablo and Jessica. There you go. The next two kids you have are going to be Pablo and Jessica, right? Of course. Of course. See? <laughs> uh, AMC described the episode this way. Alicia and Madison work to unite two competing factions. Nick draws upon skills from his past to take on a new role at the Colonia. Right. I, I'm telling you, I've been saying every week, they have been, they have been writing descriptions this season that are pretty spot on, if brief. They yeah it's it's better than it has been in the past. It has it's it actually tells you something. It's not just like stuff happens and people go places. Yeah, which is an interesting description as well. Well, I'd watch that. Some people go to places, other people's go to other places, and you know <laughs> things happen there, and things happen around them, and on the way. That's right, <laughs> every step of the way. All right, well uh, let's 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 dive into this episode. Um, I'll tell you what I thought of it in general. I think it was pretty good, but at the same time, parts of it felt a little bit like a get from point A to point, point B episode in, in kind of a good way. What I mean by that is other people might call this filler, 
where they just need to, you know, get our characters to do something so that we can understand kind of what's coming up next. And by that, I mean things like Nick, for example. What what really happened with Nick in this episode? He hung around the compound a bit. He learned some things about other characters. And he the whole point of this episode for Nick, I think, was to show him becoming an important part of this community. So th- what I saw was a drug addict and a pharmacist team up to make drugs. Well, and and is that exciting? I'm not really sure. I it didn't feel grounded in reality in any way. Not that a zombie show is grounded in reality, but it's, it felt a little out there. That I have these mad skills for making drugs. No, you don't. You're a drug addict. You go and buy drugs and take drugs. Uh-huh. You, I wouldn't know the first thing about making a friggin' pill, being handed a box of tools, and being able to do it. Well, I mean. If he was, I don't know, I, I, I didn't question that. I sort of thought, well, Nick can do this. I mean, whatever. He knows what he's doing. He's a junkie. He he was able to fashion his own pills with specialized pharmacy equipment. I, I've, I've known people that were, that have been drug addicts and yeah. alcoholics in the past, and there's no way they have a small but important set of skills uh, that are equi- they're up to the task of manufacturing pills in any way, shape, or form, mixing drugs and then uh, pressing them into pill form. All right. Well, that, it's funny because that didn't really bother me that much. I, I I can see what you're saying totally. That you know, drug addicts typically want to use the drugs, not create them. But yeah, it's like Jesse in Breaking Bad doing the whole thing by himself. Yeah, that you know, would... yes, he was involved. He was a very important part and a very, very good part of that show. But you know, Jesse is not up to the challenge of doing the whole damn thing by himself at the beginning. At the end, yes, he can do it because he did. Well, he's learned a lot. He's learned that. a lot. Uh, but maybe Nick's at the end. Like maybe he's been doing this for a long time, and and he had these skills. Maybe these are the kind of skills he had because he wanted to sneak the drugs around a little bit more and replace his you know bottle of Tylenol with a bottle of. Oxycontin pills or whatever he needed at the time, heroin pills. <laughs> well, they needed to backfill his story a little bit more into into line to, to make me believe that in any way. I guess so. But what I was trying to say is they showed him doing these sort of boring things because it ultimately made him important to this community. And he needs to be important to this community for whatever's going to happen next. And I don't know what that is, but... Um, you know, he needs to form relationships here. He needs to have some worth amongst these people because he's either going to screw it all up and get a whole bunch of them killed or something else. I mean, maybe they're going to screw it all up and he's going to get killed. I I don't know. He's not going to die there. This, uh, this town is going to burn. Well, as towns always do on this, in this universe, I should say. Uh, but you're, but you're right. I just, I just think they needed Nick to to be a part of this community in a bigger way than be like the new guy outsider. Because if he's only ever the new guy outsider, then why do we care if, if something bad happens to this town, he's just going to move on and was never really a part of anything. Right. That's how I'm feeling. I agree with the overall uh, story arc. I just, I don't, uh, I don't buy into the, right. The, the methodology. Well, the other thing is they developed his relationship with uh, Lucy as we're calling her, Luciana. Right. Uh, you know, they had to they had to bring them together so that there's some emotional stakes there for when she gets killed off or, again, something terrible happens to 
the people she's friendly with in this town. So all of this stuff was to make Nick important amongst this group because that's where the story's going. I would have believed more if uh, he, if he relied on his uh, nunchuck skills or his bow hunting skills. <laughs> I'm not sure he has either of those. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm not sure he has pharmaceutical manufacturing skills either. Yeah, that's true. He said he has limited but refined skills. Yes. So he knows just enough to do know what he's doing. Yeah, and do it well. Uh, but taking it to the other side, uh, you know, this episode had a lot of Madison taking control at the hotel, coming up with plans, bringing people together. She was the one negotiating with Oscar and the group uh, for help when they wanted to clear out the zombies and all that. And I kind of felt the same way. They're making Madison important to everybody at the hotel and putting putting her in charge. Not only that, they were there was a lot of, you know, Madison and Alicia mother-daughter relationship in this stuff. They were really strengthening the bonds uh, with Madison and everybody at the hotel. So again, I think when things go really bad at the hotel, we have a connection from one of our main characters that we've been following for a season and a half to all these new people. And it will make it that much more intense or exciting or emotional or whatever when when something bad happens. And I don't even want to say when people die because who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But they just needed to strengthen Nick's bonds in his new community and make Madison really important to everybody where she is. Yeah. And, you know, having said all that, I think they did a pretty good job on both fronts, but it didn't for me make for the most exciting episode of the season. I didn't think it was bad. I thought the, uh, the zombie stuff, the plan to herd the zombies out onto the pier was problematic, but pretty well executed. On the show, well, I like the idea of a bunch of zombies taking a long walk off a short pier. <laughs> yes, of course, and that's exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, <laughs> it actually was a long walk off or off a very long pier. That was a big pier. Why do I don't understand piers? I don't like this this particular pier. I I don't get it. Why is why have such a long pier? Is it for fishing or for giant ass boats to uh, unload and load equipment. No, I don't think it's for, well, I mean, it could be for big boats, but I think it's mostly for fishing or, uh, I don't know, sightseeing. It was connected directly to a resort hotel. Okay. So piers are, I always thought piers were for manufacturing purposes that were repurposed for sightseeing and entertainment, but I could be wrong. I don't live near the ocean. I've only been on one pier in my whole life. That's it? Only one? I've been on a lot. It was that one in uh, California that has a Ferris wheel on it. Santa Monica Pier. That's the one. I was there. I was just, there once. I was there a month ago. Uh, but no, I, I mean, piers, I don't know. I don't think they're always repurposed shipping. All right. Somebody write in and explain piers to me. <laughs> they, they stick out into the ocean, Jason. You can usually- oh, I, I understand the, you know, the, uh, the physical <laughs> right. uh, visuals of it. I just I don't understand why, why they're there. <laughs> okay. Well, I think this one is there for fishing and or sightseeing okay. uh, and zombie parading, right? Well, I don't know. That, I don't know that that's why the piers. Maybe not when they, they built they, That's it. what they used it for. Yeah. Uh, well, what did you think of, of the whole- zombie plan or what'd you think of let's before we get to that what'd you think of this episode in general i thought the episode was okay yeah uh i don't think it was a stellar episode um but i i thought it was okay i thought that the pier the zombie stuff getting them all out of the uh, the hotel rooms 
was sort of entertaining. I thought it was a little uh, coincidental that they all got to the lobby at exactly the same time, even though there was, you know, some made up dramas like, oh my God, she's going to be late. Mm-hmm. What if she's late and, she, you know, her zombies won't be part of the herd? And then what do we do? It's like, oh, we'll deal with them later. Why not do each friggin' wing one at a time? Practice, you yeah. know, with like four zombies or practice with like 12 zombies instead of getting all of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And and that's sort of my feeling on, on the whole plan. Like, yes, it looked cool, and I think it's not a terrible plan, but there's no way you could clear the entire hotel all at once without just getting into some trouble. I mean, they, they didn't really even get into the details too much on that, which is probably a good thing. Uh, but it was... It was grand in scale. It was fun to watch, but like I couldn't help but thinking while while watching it the whole time, you know, this would never work. <laughs> it's just no, probably. It's not. just nobody would be able to to pull this off. And and I get it. They they didn't think they could do it floor by floor or whatever. But I mean, it's I, hauling bodies is the problem. Is uh, yeah. you know you you open the door because obviously they learned that they don't have any problems opening the door with the uh, with the zombies inside and then dispatching them one at a time or mm-hmm. two at a time or piecemeal. It's the hauling bodies that gets to be a big pain in the ass. Sure, they have those carts that are meant for hauling luggage and stuff, but still, such a pain in the ass. This way, you get the dead to walk instead of having to carry them. Exactly. And with no elevators too. If you had elevators, just throw them in the elevator, hit the down button and they're all the way at the bottom. Yeah. But that's why when you're, uh, when you've been set upon by gangsters in Las Vegas, they take, they make you walk out into the desert and dig your own hole before they shoot you. Because, you know, if they have to shoot you in Vegas and then haul your ass out there and dig a hole, it's such a pain in the ass. Right. It's so much easier to make the poor bastard walk himself and then dig his own damn hole. Just dig a hole and, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You get out there and get them out there on their own without yeah. having to drag them in a car, mess up your trunk, you know. Those gangsters, they uh, they know how to uh, minimize the effort involved in, uh, you know, murder. Having said that, though, with the zombies, you don't have elevators, but you could just throw them off the balcony. I mean, that gets they, them down. They tried that. It doesn't kill them, though. Because no, they, they flop down and they get broken legs and stuff, and then you have to stab them in, in the head, and you still got to haul their ass out to the fire. Sure, but if you're going to go through one floor at a time and, and kill them, like, as you said, that's not really that much of a problem for these people, opening one door at a time, killing zombies. Hauling them down the stairs is tough. Kill them, chuck them off the balcony, and then pick them up at yeah. the bottom. Like a sack of cement or something. It could be really messy once you get down there, though. Well, it could, but it's on the grass, and the grass grows over blood and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If I've learned anything about grass. That's right. Grass grows anywhere except in the shade. Yeah. Well, anyways, I think the plan was was fun to watch, but just a little bit outside of the realm of, come on, would they actually be able to pull this off? I don't know. And then, to me, when they were you know, getting the zombies through the glass doors onto the pier. It didn't feel like there were that many. And then there was that big wide shot of the pier where it looked like there were quite a few. So I know that's just, you see what you see, but. Well, zombies multiply in uh, panoramic shots. We know that. <laughs> yes, of course. They, there's just more when there's a wider, wider viewpoint, right? That's right. Yeah, it's copy paste. <laughs> that is the way it goes. Uh, but let's go back to the beginning of this episode. So this is where we see how Strand and Madison escape from the uh from the bar i was pretty disappointed with this whole scene for two reasons number one there was absolutely no consequence whatsoever to them being like shit-faced drunk you know they'd spent the whole previous episode drinking tequila and were clearly drunk 
they have to fight a few zombies and they're they're stuck behind a bar and now they're completely sober even though there was a reference in that episode to being to having a hangover they didn't seem drunk at all so that was my first problem and my other problem was i am getting really tired honestly of seeing people put the zombie gore in their face and become totally invisible to all zombies around them well, you can't you can't just smear yourself in blood. You got to like drape some uh, intestines over your shoulders like a, a like a good Hawaiian lei and uh, walk around with like hearts hanging off your sleeve and, you know, brains uh stuck in your glasses and stuff. You need to really gore up. I don't think that uh, smearing blood on it uh, will do. Well, the problem for me is we see Nick do it all the time, and but it's getting less and less with him. Like it seems like he's putting less and less on every time, and then um, and and so it seems like it's become a part of this show that this is just what they do, and they somebody does it every single episode. And you know, I know Madison saw her son Nick do it, and so she's like, "Well, maybe I can do it too." But you know, you're you're in a bar, you're surrounded by zombies, you're being attacked, you sneak off, have enough time to coat yourself in goop. And suddenly you're just standing there and not a single, you're totally invisible to the, to the horde of zombies. It just, I don't know. It's, it almost seems like it's too easy. It seems like these characters can use this anytime to get out of any situation where they're in a pinch and they need to be walking amongst the undead. Yeah. So I agree with you that, uh, they seem to, you know, sneak off into this little place where they were able to smear themselves in a little bit of blood and just walk out of there without any consequences. But I don't agree with you as far as the getting shit face drunk and being able to do things. Because uh, do you remember the day I met you? It was at uh, Scott's birthday party. I, I I remember the party. I I don't remember our first interaction, but I I do sort I, of remember. It was I believe you were on a unicycle out in the alley behind his house at one point. Yes, so okay. I was shit-faced drunk on tequila. That was a big tequila, and it was bad tequila, but I remember having a quite a few tequilas, and I went. we went into the back alley, and Scott got on my shoulders, and I rode a unicycle while he was juggling flaming torches. This <laughs> happened when we were both out of our friggin' skulls drunk. Funny, I don't remember the flaming torches, but I'll take your word for it. I, well, I was drunk. I may have over-exaggerated the torches. Scott had them. I don't, I don't know why we wouldn't have used them, but <laughs> right. uh, the unicycle was there. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I was jumping on the roof. The, the feats of dexterity and stuff that I've done while shit-faced on tequila, uh, this is completely within the realm of norm for, for me. Not at that age. I was in my twenties or something when that, when that happened. And uh, I think I was a little more, able to withstand that kind of thing. If I took two shots of tequila now, I'd be like, screw you, I'm going to bed. Well, yeah, it's, you're at a different stage in your life. Yeah. Anyways, what's your point? You can, people can do things while shit-faced? Exactly. <laughs> when you need to sober up, you sober up and you get shit done. I suppose the, I mean, I guess the adrenaline or whatever would kick in when you're surrounded by zombies like that and, and maybe you'd get stuff done. But I just feel like there needed to be even in the episode before when they were when they were drunk and the zombies started attacking them like they seemed to be very capable at protecting themselves even when you know pretty drunk and and I've been drunk before I know that I would not be able to do stuff like that and I mean that doesn't happen I don't I don't do that sort of thing anymore cuz I'm a grown responsible adult now but uh <laughs> you know I it's it's I I just 
didn't think I just thought there needed to be some sort of consequence to them getting hammered other than having like a really meaningful conversation. Oh my God, Chris, the shit I've done when I was drunk that should have killed me, but uh, didn't listen people- <laughs> because of some kind of weird latent skill that I had. Uh, and when I'm talking skills, I'm not talking pharmaceutical manufacturing skills. I'm talking like being able to fall down without killing myself skills that I learned uh, in judo. Well, that's and probably basic training too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, people want me and the wife to do a, another podcast. People want us to do another one about your latent skills and ability to do shit while drunk too. Shit I've done in the nineties. I think when I met you, it wasn't, it was past the nineties though. That was in 2000. It was probably 2000 or 2002 or 2001, somewhere around there. Was I married already? Oh yeah. So it was probably 2000 then. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, the other thing about Madison and it can it occurred to me while watching this episode is she, along with some of the other characters in this show, just seem very, very aware of the dangers in the zombie apocalypse, right? She knows she knew how to get out of that bar safely. Um, but she also just knows things that I don't feel like these characters should know this early in the apocalypse. You know, she's talking to Alicia about the hotel saying we got to lock this place down because other people will try to take it. And this is a safe place and we don't have weeks to clear the hotel. We got to do it right away because others are coming. And I, I just feel like she's, she's coming across as a, as a seasoned expert on the, on the apocalypse already. And I, it feels too early for that. There needs to be more making of mistakes and learning and, you know, hopefully those mistakes don't get you killed, but uh, you know, our other cast of characters on the main show, I feel, feel like went through all that. Whereas here, a show that's supposed to be about the early days and the beginnings of the apocalypse isn't really about that at all. We have characters that seem to be just as capable as people who've been in this for three years. So we've got some premature common knowledge. That's kind of what I'm feeling like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this isn't, this, this kind of stuff isn't common knowledge yet. We still have to go through pains to learn that. Well, that's what I'm saying, but I don't think this show has done that. I think we've yeah. just skipped over all that. Well, you know, there's we the the viewer has that com- common knowledge. Maybe they just like, well, we can't really make the viewers go through all that bullshit again. Before, you know, they know this stuff already. We gotta we have to cater to the to the audience rather than to the uh, the continuity of 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 this universe. Yeah, but at a certain that, that's a, certain- a mistake. Well, at a certain point, yeah, sorry. At a certain point that starts to feel like, what's the point then? I mean, as much as I enjoy this show, because I have really been liking season two, it's things like this in this episode that makes me think, you know, it's, it is just doing the same thing again a little bit. And and why are we doing that? There needs to be something a little new and a little unique about it. And I do get that the themes here are a bit different, uh, a little bit different. Sometimes they're kind of the same. Um, but if, but if everyone is already like two or three weeks in, uh, a you know, a badass zombie killer, then I feel like we've missed some of the parts we should have seen. So, and, and yep. this episode to me just felt like an, an example of that a little bit, uh, mostly with the Madison stuff anyways. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's talk about Nick and, and Lucy. How do you think they make as a couple? And uh, does this mean that she's doomed? 
I don't think it's doomed. I think it's a, a, a nice, I think they're a nice couple and they've got themselves a trailer already. So I'm, I'm happy for them. I hope them, I hope that they have a, a long and a happy life together. Well, I'm with you there. I think they make a good couple. I thought the hug midway through the episode when they're walking uh, to go and, and give the the half drugs to the, the gang, I thought their hug there was a little awkward because he just kind of like, he just sort of like standing beside her and then all of a sudden is hugging her. He's a huggy. He's a huggy guy. Yeah, maybe. But I think he's a bit of an awkward hugger or maybe it wasn't quite the right moment for that hug. Um, but then we've all been there. Well, sure. <laughs> the awkward <laughs> hug. Exactly. Yeah. The, it's not quite welcome, but you, you weren't sure and you yeah. went for it anyway. Yes. <laughs> well, Nick, it seems to be the master at that. Um, but I was going to say the kissing scene at the end, I thought was a lot more natural. Well, that's because of uh, the actors probably practicing. They practice their kissing, but not their hugging. Well, the hugging was probably like, well, you know, it's just a hug. We got that cold. Yeah. Right. We, I know how to hug. I've hugged people my whole life. You know, how, how hard could that be? And then they get there and it's like, okay, that was kind of awkward. So we got a kissing scene coming up. We better, uh, we better practice. Come, come, come to my hotel room and we'll practice. <laughs> we better make out for a while and see how that goes. <laughs> you know, acting, you gotta, you have to get yeah, it right. Absolutely. Rehearsing. It's called rehearsing. Yeah. You gotta rehearse. And you know, if your, uh, if your significant other has to uh, be in the hotel room with you, rehearsing your kissing with your fellow actor, giving you tips and pointers, then, uh, you know, so be it. It's just the way it is. It's the life. You just of... let things roll, my friend. <laughs> it's the life of an actor. Yeah. <laughs> or a porn star. I don't know. <laughs> or, well, yeah. You know, the, or Jason in the 90s. necessarily, you know, porn stars <laughs> and actors aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but nope. there's not a lot of overlap. You know what I'm saying? I I think I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, I thought their kiss at the end was pretty good. I think um, these two actors have have pretty good chemistry together. And I think it's one of the least awkward romantic relationships we've seen on either Walking Dead show, to be honest. Oh, and, it was better than Rick and Michonne. Oh, yeah. Way better than Rick and Michonne. See what happens when you practice in your hotel room with your significant others there giving you tips and pointers? Come on, Andy Lincoln and... And I, you gotta you get it go, together. Get it together. Uh, Maggie and Glenn are a pretty good couple. There's not a lot of awkwardness there. So uh, I, I do have to give the original show props for that. But in terms of this one, um, Travis and Madison, I mean, they were a couple before all this happened. So it's, it's very believable. They were, uh, you know, apparently a solid couple despite what's going on now. Um, but as far as new romantic relationship, I think Nick and... And Lucy are off on the right foot. So I do. I do hope that lasts for a long time. And I, and I don't and I hope they don't just get them together just so that it can be more sad or more emotional when she's killed off. Because I don't think it'll be Nick, but if anybody, it will be her. Right. And uh, but they need to buck the trend. Don't kill her off just because she's happy. Let her be happy for a while. Yeah, I agree. But this is The Walking Dead and no one's ever happy. Well, you can't be happy. This is a horrible, horrible universe. Uh, a horrible, horrible universe. That's right. Uh, okay, Jason, what about the pharmacist Alejandro? His story about being bitten and surviving and all that hoo-ha, do you believe it for a second? No, it's complete horseshit. He was obviously bitten by the guy that uh, he went in there to save that wasn't actually a zombie. So he told Nick this story about the uh, drug-addicted boy that he was... Um, helping who was stealing from him and stuff like that and then at some point yeah he goes in to save him so you think he was bitten by someone not 
infected or undead. He was bitten by somebody who maybe seemed like it and either he doesn't realize that or he's just telling this story to keep the, the town in check. Well, I'm not sure uh, whether or not he's lying because he said that when he went into that whatever area it was, there was a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. People were uh, killing other living people. They were killing uh, the dead people, the zombies. Uh, there was a lot of confusion in there. So somehow I think he got bit. Uh, and I don't think that he was bitten by a zombie, but I'm not sure whether he knows that he was uh, bitten by a person and not a zombie. Right. So he, he may legitimately think he was bitten by a zombie and he's the only one to survive. Never, ever underestimate the human ability of self-denial. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, he can he can believe whatever he wants and believe it to the full ex extent of his mind, I suppose. Yes. If but yeah, okay. I I don't believe for a second that uh, he has some kind of magical immunity to uh, zombieism. Well, when this first came up, uh, when was it? Not last episode, the one before probably, um, that he had been bitten and survived. And it seemed like the Walking Dead universe was introducing a character who was kind of immune to this. Yep. That was, that was, a, I thought that was a huge huge revelation a huge deal we didn't necessarily even believe it at the time but let's just say for a second this is actually true jason and he was okay. bit by a zombie and he has survived it uh there are some theories on how this might be possible within the rules of the walking dead universe that listeners have sent in but what do you think do you think that what do you think that does to sort of the Walking Dead universe as as a whole, because it's something that we've never approached before. It definitely throws a wrench into our belief system in what zombies do and what they're capable of. Yeah. Um, it could be interesting, uh, but it also... I, I can't fully engage on this because I don't believe it. Yeah, that's I'm, the I'm having a hard time <laughs> switching gears to accepting this as a, uh, as a, as a reality and being able to play off of it. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's, it's hard to take. Like it's, it's hard to think that Kirkman after everything he said over all the years about, you know, not having a cure, not having any information on where this came from or why it's there, just accepting that it is, it's hard to believe that he would okay that kind of thing ever in a million years, which is part of the reason I don't believe it. it. It it may work because the casual viewer probably doesn't know that Kirkman feels this way. Maybe not even, maybe doesn't even know who Robert Kirkman is, right? They're just like, cool zombie show. Oh my God, look, somebody's immune. That's exciting. Um, but to us, it just doesn't ring true in any way. Uh, and I was thinking if it actually is true and he's immune, well, it's it's a massive like left turn in the Walking Dead universe that we're going to have to deal with theoretically on both shows. Well, maybe he's the only one. Uh, you know, maybe guess. he's the you know, and then we get into a Last Man on Earth type situation where we yeah. uh, that that whole show, which is funny, I like that show. I like that show too, although it could get a little samey for me. Well, what are you going to do? It's like the whole world is dead and there's only a, a handful of people left. Right. I understand, but that's what I mean. Like, and if I want to have a, a dinosaur head skull in on my dining room table and I want to have the Mona Lisa hanging in my toilet, that's fine. No, I get it. That stuff is all hilarious. But I mean, for a show called The Last Man on Earth, there sure are a lot of characters. Well, yeah, that's because he spent a year going around putting up signs. 
Yeah, I get it. Anyways, this is not the last man on earth cast. <laughs> Should be though. <laughs> uh, maybe someday. Anyways, I, I just think it's a big deal, but I'm with you. I don't believe for a second, especially now that we've have, have another episode where it's come up. Uh, I just don't believe for a second that, uh, he's a survivor of a, of a zombie bite. Um, maybe he's only survived so far, you know, how, uh, this came from the the uh, the show, and it comes from Robert Kirkman. Um, that when somebody is bitten by a zombie, the time it takes for them to die and to turn is variable. Yep. Maybe his variable is six years, like a long time. Yeah. A long time. Maybe he's got this low grade fever that makes gives him a headache but isn't necessarily going to kill him uh, for another couple of weeks. And then he'll turn. Well, let me hit you with this idea. Uh, a listener last week wrote in, unfortunately I don't have that in front of me because it's in last week's notes, but a listener wrote in and said, what if he was indeed bit by a zombie? He does in fact have this infection or fever that's going on, but because he's the pharmacist, he's able to, dose himself with massive doses of antibiotics and keep it in check at least for the time being. Oh. And therefore he is dying and he's not immune and he's eventually going to run out of drugs or whatever. Um, but he's been able to control it with the drugs that he has access to right now, which seems to be quite a bit. Um, that kind of goes out the window in this episode a little bit because a, well, even in the last one where he's willing to trade drugs for water you'd think if he was keeping himself alive with the antibiotics the last thing he'd want to do is trade away any of those drugs maybe they're all placebos like he injected saline solution into that one guy because he was it was just kind of a placebo thing yeah so maybe everything he's got in the pharmacy is all just sand and broken glass <laughs> here eat this you'll be fine <laughs> yeah it's good for you i promise right i'm a pharmacist yeah well either way if he's keeping it all for himself that would actually i think be a really interesting development in in the walking dead universe that yes i mean you're gonna die if you get bitten by a zombie but if you happen to have access to this much medication, you can actually keep it in check for a little while. And and don't forget, it hasn't been that long. I know this community seems like it's been there forever and it's very well established and there's a lot of people, but we still are less than a month in technically. So whatever they did, they got it set up quick. And if he was bit early on, maybe it's been a few weeks and he's been able to keep it under control. Wasn't Isn't this a uh, uh, one of the Plot points in, uh, what was that video game, Zombie Mall, that you really liked? Uh, Dead Rising, yeah. Dead Rising. Isn't there a drug that he needs to keep getting to keep somebody from uh, manifesting true zombieism? Oh, God. it's really, His daughter, right? Something his, like that. It was a long time ago, but that was the first one, right? The first yeah, Dead Well, Rising. there was Zombie Mall and then Zombie Mall 2. Yes. I forget. The, yeah, Dead Rising, you said. That's the one. <laughs> said the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was trying to get drugs all the time to help his daughter who was uh, was bitten by a zombie and didn't want her to turn. Huh. Yeah, no, you're right. Trying to get drugs. So same idea. Same idea. Alejandro has the drugs. He's the guy controlling them. So he's like, all right, I'm 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 keeping myself alive. But look at all the good I'm doing by telling people that I'm the chosen one. I'm immune and and, you know, I can lead you and everything will be fine after this. Yeah, until he gets them to all drink the Kool-Aid and they all die together. Yeah. It's better than being a zombie. That's right. And Nick appears to be doing that a little bit. He is 
I thought in this episode, he was slowly coming around to this guy's way of thinking. Well, that's why he needs the water to make the Kool-Aid to give it to everybody so that they will all die and <laughs> go off to heaven directly with, you know, do not pass go, do not collect, have to collect $200. No, <laughs> none of those things. They're not worth <laughs> it anymore. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure all this is going to play out before the end of the season. The only thing I, well, I, I didn't love the story that they gave Alejandro uh, about, uh, you know, another drug addict who he was trying to save. It just feels kind of the same as Nick's story, or it almost feels manufactured to specifically appeal to Nick's character. And I mean that from a, a show writing perspective. It's like, we need Nick to feel important. We need him to fit in. So there needs to be something he can really identify with. And it's going to be another addict story, right? Like, right. this is all, everyone in this show is a drug addict or anytime we need someone to be an addict, they are an addict. Right. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's just the way it is, but uh, it, it felt a little too coincidental for me for Alejandro to have this story in his back pocket to pull out and just deliver to Nick at the right time. Yeah, it seems a little convenient. I agree. But hey, what are you going to do? I mean, that's, is what it is. Um, so the only other thing I wanted to say about this episode, I think, is we still don't know where Ophelia is. She just kind of disappeared. She took the truck. Well, do you think she stole the truck? We don't know who stole the truck. Oh, I think they alluded to her taking the truck. Well, they did say she may be the only one who could, but like if... Alicia and uh, Elena were like stranded up in the upper floors of the hotel and couldn't get down without executing their, you know, zombie moving plan from the previous episode. How the hell did Ophelia get down? She must have found a way. Well, yeah, maybe she jumped off the balcony into the pool. Well, that thought did occur to me, but I don't know if that would have been possible. <laughs> it, it, well, it depends on how drunk you are at the time. Why is if it you're all stupid friggin' shit face drunk? Then yeah, it's absolutely possible. Okay, so there's like 50 shows that show drunk people jumping into pools, and that's how you have to do it. You have to be drunk. I've witnessed this in real life. My brother jumped off the roof of a house into a pool, and he was drunk. So you have to be drunk. So are you saying that if he was not drunk, he probably would have not survived or screwed it up somehow? Well, really, I think that if he was not drunk, he probably wouldn't have tried. Oh, but there's that. Yeah. The fact that, you know, in order to do it, <laughs> you have to be drunk. Okay, in order to even attempt. Well, right. that's a problem. I don't think Ophelia was, and we didn't see Madison or Strand jumping off well, any balconies. There's minibars in every one of those hotel rooms. I'm sure that one of them was stocked well with tequila and vodka and such. Uh, I suppose, maybe. I don't know. But I just am wondering how she got down, if indeed she's the one who stole the truck. Um, maybe she's on the roof, like in The Hangover. Well, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Sorry, if spoiler for The Hangover. I, I'm sorry. That's all right. I didn't even think of it. Uh, but I, I was thinking roof too. Like maybe she disappeared and went up for some reason or she went out while Alicia was in the shower of all things. She left and got trapped by zombies and had to flee and went up and maybe she's stranded on the roof and no one's ever going to find her up there because, you know, well, I guess now that they've cleared the hotel out, they might. I don't know. Anyways, I'm curious about where Ophelia is and I hope they don't just forget her or pull a... Uh, pull a Sophia on us where she's stuck in a room and they find her and she's a zombie and we don't know how. Right. So I don't know. Uh, all right. Anything else about this episode? You looking forward to where the rest of the season goes for more? 
I am looking forward to it. So the one last thing I wanted to talk about was um, uh, Victor Strand helping out, uh, what's his name, who's the uh, the bridegroom at the end. Oh, yeah, the very end scene there um, where he goes to find Oscar, who's got his zombie bride locked in the room, and Strand basically says to him, you know, I understand how you're feeling. We've all lost people, but you need to become a post-apocalypse person. Right. You can't hang on to this uh, this notion of your bride anymore. It's not her. Uh, it's it's this is something else now, and you have to let go. Yeah. So I I thought it was really touching that he would uh, he would help uh, would would help. Uh, Hector was that his name? Oscar. Oscar. Right? There's a Hector. Uh, Oscar out in this way in the uh, you know to to basically dispatch the bride zombie. Yeah, it was a it was a pre- pretty good ending to the episode. I thought the way he talked to him, they were both crying, and and Strand, you know, they open the door and Strand kind of goes in. Camera follows him in a bit, and and that's the episode. I I thought that was pretty good. I don't think. You know, I don't think we're going to come back to that scene. I think it's it's over and done with. It's over, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but but it 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 told us a little bit about Strand about how he's you know he he lost Abigail right and and he's been able to to move on and realize that um, Tom Abigail wouldn't have been Tom anymore had he let him turn and and yeah. uh, so on. So I think it's good. Um, that reminds me though. Right before that scene was the, I guess, the celebration feast for walking the zombies off the pier. Yeah, yeah. That seemed like an awfully extravagant, well-set-up meal in that place. Well, that's because the hotel is well-stocked with lots of preserves and uh, lots of canned goods and such. So there's probably, you know, you take uh, 15, 20 packets of uh, pre-prepared freeze-dried rice mixture and you mix it all together, you got yourself a nice big bowl of steaming rice that you can pass around for everybody to, to chow down on. I mean, I guess hotels have all these sorts of things, but like big table, like fine dining china and wine glasses and everything. Okay. So if they have enough power for oh, the wait a electric door locks, right? I just figured- they all worked. That's that's true. I just figured it out. I think they were in the wedding. They were sitting at the wedding table. So it was already all set up. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know about that. The wedding, uh, the whole wedding situation seemed to be a bit of a uh, a debacle. Like things got knocked over and I, they weren't at, a, you know, wedding tables are round. They're not long tables like this. But not always. You can have long tables at weddings. Anyway, my wedding. Well, mine had long tables, I think. Oh, did they? I think so. You think so? You don't remember your wedding? Well, come on, man. It was 17 <laughs> years ago. It was a long yeah. ass time ago. I think All we right. had longer tables. Anyways. Uh, so... What was I saying? Oh yeah, they had a they okay. They had the the electric door locks all worked. I was uh, wondering the, why they still worked. They had power for uh, water to be pumped up to whatever uh, floor that Alicia was having a shower on. So there was electricity for showers, and she said there was hot water. So this uh, hotel has power still somehow. Yeah, but not full power. Like, well, where's it coming from? Where do you get partial power from? I don't know. Maybe there's emergency generators that just feed certain essential things like door locks so that if the power goes out, people aren't stranded in their rooms. And the hot water tanks. I don't know. I'm Maybe. I, so what I'm getting at is if uh, if these things still work, we still have electricity for these things, then we probably still have electricity for the kitchen freezer, 
which is probably a huge walk-in freezer stocked well with all kinds of uh, pheasants and chickens and steaks and various roasts and such. Man, roast you, beast. sounds delicious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so having a feast, I think that if uh, we can uh, get on board with uh, somehow the door locks working, because if the power goes out, you know, uh, you know, this is a question I have for hotels right now. This is, it brings forefront to my mind. If I'm in a hotel and we get a major power outage, can I get out? I can get out, but I just can't get back in. Probably can't get back in unless those door locks are battery powered. I mean, they, they don't take much power. They turn on a little green LED and unlock they, the door. They have to physically mechanically move a lock, right? Yeah. Well, I guess. So, you know, that's got to take some power. You do that 10 times and you're you're done. Okay. Well, I don't know. Anyway, so I think that they had enough power for um, uh, for the freezer to have at least, you know, that deep freeze probably still had some food way in the back, tucked down in the corner that was still uh, still a little bit frozen. And as we know, from, speaking of weddings, as we know from my wedding, yep. which where there was a power outage. That's right. <laughs> we still had dinner because all the food was cooked using uh, gas stoves. Right, they uh, they didn't have uh, electric stoves. They were able to cook the entire dinner, uh, even though there was a complete power outage during my reception. Lucky that was a, your wedding was fun. It was exciting to have a power outage. Yeah, it was. It was cool. At it least was a huge storm too. It was a beautiful day for the ceremony, and then we get to the reception. There's this massive friggin' storm and a tornado somewhere. Touchdown! All the power goes out, and we're like, yeah, whatever. And then it came back on. Like- and then it came back on, and we partied until we threw up. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> That's a good day. Uh, didn't jump off the roof into any pools, though, but it was a good time. No, but I should have. I was at a hotel that night. <laughs> if only we could go back in time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, there's there's some inconsistencies there, like power and, but I think I think you know I guess if we assume there's still power and there's still frozen food and stuff like that. I think that was maybe the wedding room and there was enough of the wedding reception set up still there that they could use this for their feast. So I, th- I think I've explained it to or myself yeah. in, you know, along with your thoughts on the power. Well, a hotel that has uh, banquet rooms right. has, you know, facilities to put down tablecloths and have silverware because they use spoons to hold all the doors open, right? They so did. They Smart. probably had a massive amount of, massive number of spoons available to them, as well as forks and knives. <laughs> well, if they were using the spoons to hold open, open all the doors, they probably didn't have that many for eating, but... Well, whatever. You know, if I have to stir my coffee with a knife, whatever. Yeah, it still gets stirred. Yeah. All right. So, uh, not a, I'd say an average episode of the show, the one before I liked a lot better, but uh, still um, not too much to complain about here, I don't think. I think it was pretty good. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, there will be listener feedback 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 <laughs> there'll be some listener feedback stay with us summer girl or summer long know the winner's wrong southbound motel towns men most broken mornings citrus grows where no one knows the fruit of truth from evil and a long walk on a short pier Nothing more than swimming
Okay, and we're back. And it's time for listener feedback, except that it's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, we almost got through Jason's first whole full podcast back from having a baby, but he's got to go. So we're going to cut it here. And maybe next week we'll include a little extra feedback at the beginning. I've got to deal with some uh, Jasper feedback, which uh, I'm getting is uh, currently quite negative. <laughs> and it's been going on for a little while without my knowledge. So I went to check on uh, check on the family and uh, turns out they need me. Well, see, that's your problem. You went to check on them. You should, you should have just stayed down here. It would have been like 20 more minutes. And then, uh, anyways, no, I got to run, unfortunately. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, okay. So we're going to call it a night and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do a little extra next week if we can, maybe his feedback next week will be better, right? Yeah. Well, I'm expecting a good feedback uh, throughout the next week or so from him. (laughs) All right. Very good. All right. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you guys know how to do that. Uh, Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and uh, click on send voicemail on the side of the page. You can also uh, find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. And of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So that will do it. Uh, Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Good night.